Heading into week 10 already. We got four teams on by the Ravens, Bengals, Patriots, and Jets. A lot of fantasy implications for those teams. Uh, probably not as bad as the past couple weeks have been because there's already injuries that are happening. Um, you know, with Mark Andrews and Gus Edwards and Jamar Chase. So much need to buy for a lot of those teams. Uh, but we're heading into week 10. Our league is still really close. Um, there's nobody that's technically out of the playoffs yet completely. And I think there's seven teams, six, te- six teams that are six and three and one team that's five and four. So real competitive. Uh, let's get into this, get into the podcast. Welcome to the League of Champions podcast. going to savage you this week all right the week 10 matchups first up we got me oh no the recaps i'm sorry um recapping what happened this past weekend uh with me versus brian i called me winning and i was i got that one right um so that means me and brian are both six and three now now my key to victory in this game or what i thought it was going to be was dk metcalf and geno smith that stack I i thought they needed to be at least mediocre for me to have a good shot and that's exactly what happened um, DK Metcalf ended up getting the touchdown and they were, you know, not explosive games, but they were enough to push it through. Um, and Devonte Adams and Cooper cup both had huge games and, uh, that's what I needed them to do. And I mean, Devonte Adams, I think had 30 points before halftime. So it was ridiculous. <clears throat> My two running backs combined for five and a half points, which normally it's, I would say it's tough to overcome that. But I knew they were going. They both had tough matchups, and Adams completely bailed me out. So, and and actually, I I was I think I mentioned last week that that Adams was going to be like their all entire offense this week, and he had seventeen targets, which is one of the highest target totals you know, in the season um, for any receiver. So, but yeah, outside of Cup and Adams, my whole team was mediocre. But luckily, Brian's team just completely fell apart. As expected for Brian, uh, Lamar had a great day on the ground, got 82 yards, his third highest rushing yardage uh, for a game this season. He, had, he just has no weapons right now. I mean, Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews are both out. I mean, he still kind of made it work with Isaiah Likely, Devin DuVernay, and Demarcus Robinson. It just wasn't a great game. And so they're going to go on by, much needed by for all the injuries they have. I think once Andrews is back, Jackson will be, Jackson will be right back to, to dominating like he did before. Uh, unfortunately, Brian picked the wrong Cardinals running back to start. Jane, James Conner outtouched Dino Benjamin twelve to five. It, it's it's a crapshoot with those two running backs because neither of them are like that great, and the offense isn't that great. It's just and to have both is tough, and to not know which one to actually start. Um, and then I also for Brian, I called for Mike Evans to have a big game, and I could not have been more wrong. I mean, he still had 11 targets, but he only managed to turn that into five receptions for 40 yards. I don't know what is going on with the the Buccaneers. They have all the weapons in the world. It's just the offensive line is, I guess, different and shifting. And um, I think it's honestly, I think it's Todd Bowles. I don't think he's a good coach. I definitely don't think he's a good offensive coach. Um, The next matchup, and sorry if I sound nasally. Of course, I'm sick right now, which is fucking sweet. So 
Uh, the next matchup is Tyler versus Stefan. Um, I, I said Tyler was going to win. And I called that one right. So now Tyler and Stefan are both six and three. Um, for Tyler, the Colts put up a good defense against the Patriots and, and Ramondre Stevenson. Um, he ended up being okay, but it's only because he ended up getting a receiving touch, receiving touchdown, even though he only had 10 receiving yards. But goddamn, was I right about Justin Fields? He's been trending up in fantasy points every week since week four, and his performance this week was more. It, he accumulated more points this fa- this week alone than he did in the first four weeks of the season. It, it's just he's a stud the rest of the way. I think. I think the Bears might have figured it out, and I also on. I honestly think that the Bears have eliminated any question about their future at quarterback. I think they can use their, you know, top ten draft pick that they'll probably end up with at some other position. Um, I think they have their quarterback. And just imagine if he had actually like good offensive weapons and like a half decent offensive line. It's insane. Um, Travis Kelsey, again, 17 targets in their win against the Titans. Didn't put up a massive performance off off those 17. But luckily, the reason why I thought Tyler, that um, Travis Kelsey would have to have that is because I thought Tyreek Hill would go off a little more than he did. He didn't absolutely explode. He still had a big week, but um, I thought that would be the biggest problem for Tyler in this matchup. And Stefan, thank God he couldn't overcome the buys he had. He's actually beatable. Um, there isn't much to say, honestly. He was missing Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, and Amari Cooper. But Tyreek still Tyreek Hill still does what Tyreek Hill does. He just did it in a slightly smaller way. But I don't think there's ever, as long as he's active, I don't think there's ever, you can ever count Stefan's team completely out. Uh, unfortunately for Stefan, my predictions for both TJ Moore and Amon Ross and Brown were wrong. Neither were super involved in their offenses. The games were gross. I mean, the lines ended up being a much lower scoring game than I expected. Uh, Moore only had six targets, which is fine, I guess, but you, you want volume when you have quarterbacks as bad as that are throwing to him. Uh, and then Amon Ross and Brown had nine targets. So it would have been a little bit nice if he had you know, done a little more with those, those targets. Next we had Andrew and Nolan. Again, I called this one, right? So that brings Andrew to two and seven and Nolan's at three and six. So for Andrew, Derek Henry still, Derek Henry is still insane in, you know, November, December. And the chiefs couldn't stop that, which is reassuring for Andrew because he really needs someone that's solid on his team all the time. Uh, Not that really you had any doubt, but just nice to see it continue. Hunter Renfro actually had a pulse in this game, but it was Devontae Adams all the way, and it will continue to be. And honestly, I think Robert Wood should be on the waiver wire, especially if um, Ryan Tannehill is out. Malik Willis completed five passes against the Chiefs, and it, it looked ugly. It was just, it was not good. And Woods only had two targets. So I, I don't think he can be started in, yeah, I don't know. I until you see something drastically different, I would drop Woods and pick up someone with some upside. And finally, you I mean, you would have liked to see a little more from Chris Olave, given the opportunity he has with so many injuries. But at the same time, if the defense knows the pass, it's most likely going to him. And he's still succeeding in spite of that. So if Jarvis Landry comes back at some point, he's not what he used to be, but he's enough to make the defenses have to adjust. It could give you know Chris Olave a little bump this year. Luckily, Andrew didn't need Jalen Waddle to have a, big, a huge performance to get him the W, even though he did have five for eighty-five and a touchdown, which isn't a bad stat line by any means. But when you see what the Dolph- Dolphins have been doing week in and week out, 
you know, like that's kind of mediocre by their standards. On uh, the Nolan, <laughs> I said Nolan's key to victory was Marcus Mariota not being terrible. And he completed 12 passes for 129 yards with no touchdowns. It was his second worst performance on the season. I was also very wrong about Alvin Kamara, who I thought would continue on his hot streak in the passing game, and he didn't. He had three receptions for 32 yards. However, I did call the Travis Etienne success, which probably wasn't that difficult to see coming. He wasn't nearly as efficient as he was the week before, but he still topped 100 yards, got two touchdowns. I think his domination is here to stay. And, and you know, barring injury, I think he's going to be good the rest of the season. Um, he's taken over the entire workload, basically. And even though the offense isn't great, it's getting a little bit better. And I think he's a big part of that. <clears throat> um, Nolan needs to address the issue that he has a quarterback. I think there's enough upside in his roster to keep him in the playoff running, but he can't be getting, you know, seven to 10 points for Marcus Mariota every week. It's, it's disgusting. And I think he, um, I think the only reason why he started Marcus Mariota, if I remember right, is because Dak was on bye. So, uh, yeah. So Dak's back in his roster now. Should be way better going forward. Um, we'll see what happens this week. Um, the next one I call Nick, Nick versus Mike. I got this one wrong, actually. I picked Nick and Mike won. I, I really thought for Nick that I thought Josh Jacobs would be more involved in the offense than he was. He only got 17 carries. I think that was largely because of the success of Devontae Adams just catching whatever he wanted and wherever he wanted against the Jaguars. Uh, so Josh Jacobs really has to hit that 20 carry threshold because if you look at it this season, every time he hits that, he's amazing. Um, and that you think that a very basic metric like that, the Raiders might, be, might see and be like, Oh, you know, why don't we just give him three more carries and see, you know, if that holds true and he's still a stud, but. Uh, and then Jeff Wilson, he immediately took work away from Raheem Mostert, which I didn't expect. You know, it was on a really short, really short turnaround from when he got traded. Um, I didn't expect it to be that quickly. So it, it might be tough to start Mostert going forward. Not, it's kind of the same way in, um, uh, the Cardinals. You, you just don't know who it's going to be each week. But on, on the flip side, either of them could be injured at any moment. I mean, that's their history in the league is, being in, injured constantly. So it's really impossible to drop drop him. So fucking great situation to be in. You just have a guy you can't really start, but can't really drop. Yeah, that's a nightmare. Um T. Higgins still hasn't got over the still hasn't like taken over the offense like everyone kind of thought he would. You know, his big everyone always says that, you know, T. Higgins would be the wide receiver one in almost any other team in the league, blah, blah, blah. But he hasn't really done that with Jamar Chase being out. I mean, he had, I mean, he even had seven receptions in this game, but he didn't really turn that into much. It only ended up being 60 yards, which is like 8.6 yards per reception, which is insanely low. Um, it's important to note that even though Josh Allen had a decent fantasy week, he's now dealing with this elbow injury. Could force Nick to start Kyler in the abysmal Cardinals offense. So it's something to keep an eye on for the upside for Nick's team. Uh, and then Mike, I thought Mike would need more from Kirk Cousins and Justin. Jeff and- Justin Jefferson, Jesus Christ! Uh, but he he didn't. Um, they sh- they did show up though, and Jeff is- Jefferson ended up with thirteen targets and over hundred yards in their win over the Commanders. I don't know where it came from, but all of a sudden Kenyon Drake looks like he looked back in Miami, and he just he has some juice and he showed he showed out this week. 
wasn't super efficient, but he did get the two touchdowns. Saints defense is pretty good, so it's it's good to see. Um, maybe he's a starter going forward if they can't keep anyone else on the field. Um, Justice Justice Hill didn't look great. wasn't incredibly involved. Like I said, Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, both out like they always are. You know, it could be it could be Kenyon Drake for the rest of the year in that offense, which wouldn't be terrible. Um, and Donald Mooney didn't like explode this week. He only went seven for forty three and a touchdown, and you would have liked to have seen more in a game where the Bears put up thirty two. But it's still reassuring to see his involvement and how much of a step forward the Bears' offense is taking as a whole. So, yeah, I think there's more to come and better to come for Mooney. Next up, it was Isaac and Spencer. Um, I picked Isaac, got this one right. Um, that puts them both at two and seven. Isaac had some big balls to start Derek Carr this week after what he did the week before. And it ended up working out pretty good for him, uh, despite them losing the game. Uh, it doesn't really matter for fantasy, so it all worked out for Isaac. Uh, I thought Gerald Everett would be good, a good flex option with all the injuries in the Chargers offense, but they ended up just winning a gross, grindy game against the Falcons, which is really concerning on so many levels. Uh, I'm not sure you can start Everett when the offense looks this bad or this like just lackluster Austin Eckler's still been great, but he can't be the entire offense. Uh, and when they're barely edging out teams like the Falcons, who I, I know their whole game plan is, you know, slow the game down and, you know, not give the other team possessions. But I mean, my God, Marcus Mariota is just so bad. Like they, there's no reason they shouldn't be able to just destroy the Falcons. All in all, Derek Carr didn't implode, which is basically what I said Isaac needed to hope for to get the win. Spencer's team did implode. So I think Isaac kind of had this one in the hand from the beginning with the huge performance from Dallas Goddard. Kind of foreshadowed what was to come that weekend. Uh, Spencer, his bench was so sad to look at at week nine. It had got two guys with injuries, three guys on bye, and a guy who's not yet on a team. Uh, so he didn't have much wiggle room to really beef up his roster at all. He had two players achieve 10 points, 10 fantasy points, Justin Herbert and Jamal Williams. <clears throat> and they both barely got that, that line. So scary stuff. I, I mean, honestly, I was semi excited for Deandre Swift and Allen Robinson after, you know, just what their trend had been for the, the week. And I mean, the year and the fact that Deandre Swift was coming back, but they only combined for 13 total touches. So runs and receptions for both of those players combined. It doesn't look like Swift is going to be super involved going forward. I, I don't know why you would risk someone as talented as him when they're losing like they are, especially when they have someone as solid as Jamal Williams as the backup. I don't know. It's it's tough to see like DeAndre Swift really getting into like a dominating position. Um, maybe he'll have big plays here and there, but I don't know if you can rely on that. Uh, and for Spencer, I thought if Romeo Dobbs had a big game, Spencer might have a chance, but he had one target in their embarrassing loss to the Lions. Who even knows what is going on with the Green Bay Packers? Well, I think everyone knows they don't have any receivers, but I, I, why they're not addressing that is ridiculous. Um, Spencer might be in a good spot soon, though. Odell Beckham Jr. comes back, he could find himself in the Packers. If he finds himself in the Packers... It could be a big hit to Romeo Dobbs, or it can make his job a little bit easier, and it could make Aaron Rodgers a little bit better, make the offense a little bit better. So something to watch. Um, OBJ has been tied heavily to the Cowboys, but he was also, um, the, I think the Bills, the Packers, even the Giants were all you know interested, and there was talks from 
kind of all those teams for him. But if I had to put a bet on it, I'd say he probably goes to the Cowboys, but it would be the best for the Packers if he would go there. Um, and the last one is Brad and Tim. <clears throat> so called Brad, got this one right. Now they're both six and three. Um, Brad, I said, we wanted to see what Joe Mixon could do. We wanted to see a big game from him. And holy shit, did we get that? He had over 200 yards and five touchdowns. And basically anyone who had Mixon this past weekend, whether it was in like DFS or just regular fantasy, it basically won. Uh, you can't really overcome somebody getting 50 plus points in fantasy like that. The other three players I noted for Brad in the matchup to kind of keep an eye on were Devil, Devin Singletary, who I wasn't really sure about with Naeem Hines coming in and everything, Kyle Pitts and Tyler Boyd. None of them performed particularly well. Um, Pitts had seven targets, but he turned that, or I should say Marcus Mariota turned that into two for 27. And Tyler Boyd went five for 44. Not not awesome. Uh, the good news I guess for Singletary at least is that Naeem Hines didn't touch the ball in this matchup. Albeit it was a short turnaround, so maybe he'll get more involved next week, but it's just interesting that he wasn't even on the field um, this game. And then for Tim, I called Juju Smith-Schuster to have a big week to kind of carry Tim's team. And by all metrics, he really should have had a bigger game than he did. Uh, he ended up with 10 catches on 12 targets, and those are Patrick Mahomes targets. So you, you would have hoped he would have got more than 88 yards, 88 yards, you know, eight, 0.8 yards per catch, which is super low also. Um, but I guess the sway it goes sometimes, especially when you're that short yardage possession guy. And that game was gross. I don't know if anyone watched that. It was it was tough to watch. I mean, it was exciting because it was so close, but it was just not a lot of offense, just kind of back and forth, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Tim's whole team was kind of just okay, which I, is what I kind of been saying about his team since the beginning of the year. It's not going to win you matchups, but like when the when the person you're playing against does really bad, you'll probably win because you're just really consistent. But I mean, like I said, you can't really beat somebody when one player puts up 50 plus. Um, Rondale Moore, 10 targets in this game, which is amazing to see, but his yards per reception was 8.6. So it would have been nice if they got him a little further down the field. Tim had Jerry Judy, Najee Harris and CeeDee Lamb all on by. We're all coming back for week 10, so it's definitely it's going to go up for him. But as I just mentioned when I was talking about Spencer's team, if OBJ ends up going to Dallas instead of Green Bay or um, the Bills, <clears throat> Lamb's upside might be capped a little bit, you know, spreading those targets around. Or it can make it way easier. It's all, it's tough to know. It's that, that divide of that balance of if a really good receiver comes into a system that has a good receiver, does it make them better because the defenses have to focus less? Does it make them worse because they're not getting as much targets, not much involvement? It's tough to know. Uh, I think the Cowboys defense is insane this year, which they have always, that's always been the the fantasy draw for the Cowboys is that they have a really, really good offense and their defense is absolute shit. And that's just not the way it is this year. So they might, and with how insane Tony Pollard's been, they could just become one of those teams that's like they don't have to put a lot on Dak. Um, they can just run the ball a lot and then just, you know, get those turnovers and stuff from their defense and their and their pass rush. So it'll be interesting to see. I think I think where OBJ signs is a lot more important than than people are really giving it. It has a lot more importance. Not necessarily because he's gonna be great for fantasy or anything. He'll probably be good still, but it, it just shakes up a lot of stuff wherever he ends up. <laughs> Uh, my commission's picks for this year or this week. 
So remember, these are guys that I, I think you can probably start this week, but maybe have upside going forward that you want to stash them. Um, so the first one for the quarterback, I have Jared Goff. Uh, he's a good play. If you look at his stats, all right, so he's a bad play when he plays against someone in the NFC North, which I know the Bears are NFC North, but it's the Bears, so it's a little different. Um, a future Hall of Fame coach or the best pass rush in the NFL. So basically the Patriots, Cowboys, and the NFC North. Uh the, the Bears team has had an awakening offense, but their defense is still trash. So I think despite them being the NFC North, I think it's still going to be kind of a shootout game. Uh, I think Goff might have to throw a lot more to kind of keep up. I don't, I don't think, I don't think the Bears are going to play behind at all this game. I, I think they're going to get out to a lead and I think it's going to be the Lions trying to play catch up the whole time. Uh, they're still, they still could be missing some weapons. So hopefully that means, you know, a positive regression for Amon Ross and Brown, and hopefully you can carry that load for the passing game. Um, I'm going to do the wide receiver first, just because it's Khalif Raymond, who's also in the Lions. I know he's only top five targets three times this season, but if, <laughs> just re-listen to what I just said about Jared Goff and just kind of plug your nose and hope for the best. I don't think he'll be useful very long. I think if you need like a spot start this week, he might be decent, um, but in, supposedly Jamison Williams is coming back at some point this season. Um, and as soon as that happens, and if DJ Chark comes back, you know, Khalif Raymond's kind of going to fade into the, into the abyss. Uh, for running back, Jarek McKinnon. Um, the Chiefs go up against the Jaguars this week, and McKinnon had six receptions last week. It kind of, it kind of looks like Clyde Edwards or Edwards Alaire is being phased out, or maybe he's just really not that good. And he's kind of just, they're realizing that now. Um, so it might end up being just a more of a split between Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon. Um, they kind of complement each other better than, you know, uh, CEH is kind of like the odd man out in that because Isaiah Pacheco is between the tackles, like really, really aggressive runner. Um, and then Jarek McKinnon is really good in space and as a pass catcher. So it might end up just being more of a timeshare with them. So if you have the, the roster space, it might not be bad to scoop up Jarek McKinnon and just kind of see what ends up playing out. And, you know. But, but I think at least this week, he should have a decent game against a really bad Jaguars defense. And for tight end, uh, admittedly, yeah, I might be chasing the points a little bit, but it's Cole Komet, <clears throat> um, especially with Chase Claypool getting another week in the offense. Under his belt, it could cut into Komet's involvement. But I, I don't think that, that it's a coincidence that the offense gets so much better and is really moving the ball and Justin Fields is kind of figuring out what works for him in the NFL as you know as a runner and a passer. I don't think it's a coincidence that all of a sudden Cole Komet's good. I think I don't think Cole Komet is a fantastic player, but I think he's in a good situation where it's literally it, up until Chase Claypool it was him and Darnell Mooney. So Justin Fields has a lot of familiarity with both of those guys. And I think between Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney, that's kind of where defenses have to focus. And I don't know, tight ends are a shit show. So it's kind of cross your fingers and maybe don't watch the game if you have to play them. But I think he could be decent going forward, uh, not just this week. And finally, for the power ranking. So we had a lot of change this week. So Tyler is the new number one projected uh, finisher. Then Stefan, Brad, Nick, me, Tim, Isaac, Andrew's eighth, Brian at nine, Nolan at 10, Mike at 11, and Spencer at 12. Uh, it's still, in, it's interesting to see that, uh, according to the ESPN app anyways, that nobody's out of the playoffs yet. Um, Spencer has a 1% chance, I think of making the playoffs, but, and then Ivis 
Andrew Ivis and uh, Isaac both have three and two percent, and then Nolan seven percent. But there's there's seven of us that are above sixty percent. So, and there's enough games left that anyone could really. I think we have fourteen regular season games. So, you know, we're at we. So we've had nine. So we have five more. So Spencer, Spencer, Isaac, and Andrew could all get up to seven and seven, and all of us could be well below seven and seven. I mean, we could be, you know, six and eight, or so I guess not well, not well below, but it, it's still anybody's league. You know, it just takes a run in either direction to completely change up the playoff projections. So, uh, yeah. So let me see. So good luck to everyone this week. Besides. Uh, Spencer, because I'm playing. Actually, you know what? Good luck to Spencer still, because I still wanted to, you know, have a chance, I guess, even though I'm playing him. So I don't think he will. Uh, All right. Well, I'll talk to you guys on Saturday. And yeah, have a good Friday. If you have the day off, I have the day off tomorrow, which is fucking fantastic. So if you have the day off, I know most of you guys are slaves, so you probably don't. But in the event that you do enjoy it, I'll be enjoying it. And uh, I'll talk to you guys on Saturday. Super. Take care now. Bye-bye then.